Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000, taking your calls and your questions this afternoon encouraged in what God is doing and wanting to do uh, through this radio broadcast. I have been away for another week. Uh, I was away in Barstow, California, as well as Knoxville, Tennessee. And I went away for a pastor's gathering where we did some discipleship and encourage one another in the Lord, and then I flew to Tennessee where I taught the immense conference and then the weekend services at the Calvary Chapel there in Knoxville, Tennessee. And now I'm back, looking forward to being with you this afternoon, and lines are wide open. 303-690-3000 is the number, 303-690-3000. Text me, 720 Zero eight nine seven seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. That's for texting only, and uh, we check those. If you have a prayer request, you can send it there as well. We send those prayer requests along to our prayer team and our staff here at Calvary Church. So no matter where you are around the country, even around the world, we'll pray for you, and together we will seek the Lord, um, grow in grace together. And I have the. The uh, line open for texting, 720-336-0897. Got an email from my brother Kelly here. Had a very scary time uh, and uh, had a hard time breathing, and we were praying for him. And we are encouraged to hear that he's doing good. He had his best night's sleep in months, felt the Holy Spirit's peace, and just how God is so faithful to us. And so we rejoice with you, Kelly. I'll answer your email later today or tomorrow, but I'm reading it right now, and I'm grateful to hear of the faithfulness of God. 303-690-3000. Father, we just thank you for the, uh, for the progress you made in Kelly's life, Lord, and just the scare that he experienced with his asthma. And, and just, man, we, our, our bodies are so fragile, uh, and we are, even as Pastor Avant was encouraging us in our Devo time today, to, to open our prayers with gratitude and to be grateful. And may you fill our hearts with gratefulness. Jesus' name. Amen. Taking your calls and your questions. 303-690-3000 is the number. We'd love to hear from you this afternoon. So again, I was away as the phone lines are uh, ringing off the hook here, and Kevin is taking care of them all. 
Um, I was away in Barstow, California, as well as uh, in <clears throat> Knoxville, Tennessee, and it was such a glorious time just seeing uh, what God is doing around the country in various fellowships and ministries and hearing the testimonies of the different um, pastors that we were meeting with and uh, hearing of the faithfulness of God. It, it is such a good thing to hear of the faithfulness of God. And it reminds me, I want to invite you to our Refresh Conference. This is a ministry conference that we put on every year in October. First week of October, we're, we are adding an extra day and some extra things this year to encourage you and to uplift you. Now, it's, the, it's a conference that's not like a traditional conference, so we're, we're not going to just slam uh, Bible studies all day, every day. We do have the Word. We are a church that um, teaches the Word, so we will have four teaching sessions. We have guest worship coming in from new, our friends at New Life Church down in Colorado Springs, and we have guest teachers from California, up in Vail, uh, even here uh, with Pastor Bob. And uh, we've got some, the In-N-Out truck will be here for lunch on one of the days. And it's a ministry conference, open to anyone, pastors, leaders, elders, servants, Sunday school teachers. Um, and we just get together and encourage one another in the Lord. We're built up in His grace and His goodness, and we would love to have you be a part of it. So come on out. Um, information's available at calvaryco.church slash refresh, calvaryco.church slash refresh. We'd love to have you there. 303 We're going to head right back to where I just came from, Jeffrey in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. Welcome to the program. Jeffrey, are you with us? Jeffrey, we dropped. Uh, the question was put in as um, you and your wife are both remarried. Does it make that adultery? Um, that's a great question. We'd have to talk about all the significant parts of how you got there. Um, and it's important that you talk through that. But because you guys are both remarried, your previous marriages are over and uh, not to be revisited and while God's ideal is uh, to avoid divorce at all costs, unfortunately it does happen. And yeah, I'd have to talk to you, um, hear your point of view, and you are not currently living in adultery. No, if you're both remarried, the previous marriages have ceased. 303 Another way to get on the line is directly text me. It goes right here, 720-336-0897. We are back in the book of Genesis tonight. We are back in Genesis, uh, starting a new chapter. Lot and Abram have separated, and now we are, are going to be looking at what happens when the... <clears throat> when the um, what happens to Lot in his new town and how Abram has to go and rescue him. Um, 
So we'd love to have you here. Our services are at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. You can join us online. Download our free app. That's the best way to get a hold of us. Download our free app. Uh, just go to your app store, put my name in there, Ed Taylor. And the reason we attach my name to it is because there's a lot of Calvary churches around, but there's only one attached to my name. Uh, and so you can put my name, Ed Taylor, in there. And uh, there are even other Calvary churches here in Aurora. Um, because some people go, well, just put the Aurora. You know, everybody has an opinion. You know, they all know how to do things better than we do, but we've already explored that, and there's other Calvaries that are here in Aurora as well, but there's only one Calvary that's attached to Ed Taylor that I know of, so you can get the app that way. Um, And then turn on notifications, and you can connect with us right there, and we'd love to have you with us. 303-690-3000. Uh, here's a prayer for finances to get better. They've lost some of their assistance and lose more. Uh, Father, I pray for this desperate financial situation, God, that uh, is in need of your provision. I just think of how faithful you are, and your word says that you're able to provide for all of our needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. And I just pray for the needs to be met, and we pray that according to your will in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. 303-690-3000. Coming back to Denver here. Rudy, welcome to the program. Rudy, sorry. I missed it. It's Ronald in Fort Lauderdale. I hit the wrong button. Sorry. You're on the air, Ronald. Yes, Pastor. My question is, will the saints come back with the Lord Jesus during the battle of Armageddon? Will the saints come back with Jesus for the Battle of Armageddon? Well, first of all, the Battle of Armageddon isn't much of a battle, and it relates to Jesus, uh, because he's going he's gonna to end it immediately. Um, but the, when Jesus returns physically to the earth, he does return with the saints. Yes. So the, during the battle, we will not be with him. Uh, you know, I... I think when you think of um, when you're asking questions of exactly where we're going to be at the time, whether we're going to be having, um, you know, uh, weapons in our hands or anything. No, I don't think we will. I I know we're not going to fight. Yeah. But we'll be with him. He's returning with the saints. That's what the Bible says. Okay. I thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Yes, sir. All right. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. That is the significance of the second coming, um, that in the rapture of the church, Jesus comes for his saints. In the second coming, he comes with his saints. And what a joy to know that we will be with the Lord. <clears throat> and, what an, and that's one of the points um, that I make when I... Uh, wrote, we're going to put this into book form soon enough, um, but uh, the reasons why I believe in the um, rapture of the church, one of the biblical reasons uh, is the distinction uh, of the <clears throat> second coming between the rapture, and that's one of them. I think it was, I think the way we put it was 12 reasons why I believe uh, in the rapture of the church, um, including many things. I'm looking at my notes right here. I'm looking at all the points here um, 
the beauty of knowing uh, the faithfulness of God. Um, in the rapture, Jesus comes um, for his saints. Uh, Jude 1 says, um, verse 14, June chapter 1, verse 14, um, that it's prophesied about these men. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. In Zechariah 14, it says that his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two, uh, and half of the mountain shall move toward the north, half of it toward the south. And in between the rapture and the second coming is a seven-year period known as Jacob's trouble or the Great Tribulation period. 303-690-3000. I'm going to go back to... Um, where are we? Jackie in Tennessee. Welcome to the program. How you doing, Pastor? It's going, I'm doing well, Jackie. I was just in have, Tennessee, Knoxville. Oh, okay. Uh, I have a question. My son, my husband, sometimes he want to borrow money. It's because, you know, it's not really working. Uh, and I know we're supposed to help our parents. So if my son, he always willing to give the money, but if my husband's not paying him back on time, should he continue to give him money when he say he want needs to borrow, or would God hold him accountable for not having his dad? Yeah, he's not obligated to uh, lend money. Um, the Bible does speak of us providing for our families, that it's important that we do provide for our families and that we help. Um, but as you move on in marriage or, you know, you move on into different relationships, priorities can change. Um, but lending money is not something really that is um, exemplified in the scriptures toward our family. We should lend with the expectation that it will never come back. And if it does come back, great, um, you know, if we're helping family out. Uh, but walking in discernment and saying no isn't necessarily a sin. I mean, you got to take it by case-by-case situation. But to say no, um, if there is no intention of paying back or it's not really helping them, they're not really... Um, you know, it's not really uh, helping the person get on their feet or move forward so they can provide for themselves. Um, you know, I think that you have to take it by a case by case basis. Okay, then. thank you. You're welcome. Bye bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number. Um, you know, I, I think that this this type of question like moves in the realm of of uh, wisdom. You know, it's not whether it's right or wrong. It is a good thing to help other people out. It's a good thing to to lend. But remember, when we lend, we're to ex- Jesus said, expect nothing back. But I do think we should keep our com- our commitments too. So if we borrow, we should pay it back. Uh, especially from family or friends. But as we give, uh, we want to be careful to maintain a generous and giving heart, you know? And it can be hard to be taken advantage of. And I think you take each situation individually, you pray about it, and you move forward with the wisdom that God's given you uh, and allow the Holy Spirit to use it. Here's a great question, a follow-up. Who are the saints that return with Jesus? Are it the Catholic saints? Now, that is a great question because, unfortunately, the man-made religion known as Roman Catholicism 
created a category of people that doesn't exist. And the category of people that doesn't exist is this super specific level of sainthood that only a few people ever attain to. Um, The Bible actually teaches something completely different. And the Bible teaches that every single born-again believer is a saint. And there is no special class of sainthood like Roman Catholicism has created, but rather every true believer is in the category of saints. That's all throughout the book of Acts. Um, Romans chapter 1 um, is referring to those that are beloved of God. That It says in Romans 1-7, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints— and every single believer is a saint, so the saints that are returning with Jesus are all, all those who died in Christ, those that were raptured up, um, as well as those who died in Christ born again. Those are the saints uh, that are... So be, just because the man-made religion known as Roman Catholicism designates a person as a saint doesn't necessarily say anything about their salvation, um, because only God conveys a man or a woman to be born again. All right, we're going to get these or these lines ordered up and it looks like Rudy is next. Rudy, welcome to the program. How you doing, Pastor? Good. How are you? Good, good. Nice to hear your voice. Um so as I was going through the Bible and I'm so studying in Exodus uh 23, I came across I'm mean, I got to Exodus 23. Okay. And it uh it came through and it kind of uh it hit me it hit me on you know do not spread false reports do not help a guilty person by being a malicious witness as well as it says do not follow the crowd in doing wrong when you okay. give a testimony in a lawsuit you know and so on. Um, what verse are you looking at? Um, uh, I'm sorry, twenty three one. One okay, okay. And okay, and so twenty some years ago when I was involved in gangs, I got myself in a great mess. Okay. Heal the mess, and I had to testify against the guy. Now I had to make the decision of be not a snitch because of the gang code, or to. I, I felt deep down in my heart that I needed to testify. I really had nothing to do with it, but I got myself caught on recording with conversation with this guy. Now it wasn't that I was going to go to prison, but I felt it was right back then, uh-huh. as I do now. Is this what this verse is talking about? Let me read I mean, it to you I, in another version. You ready? You know, and Ben said, I don't want to be a snitch. I'm going to do what my friends would do and go to prison and prove myself. Or this malicious person who was evil and killed somebody for no reason. I felt did it you, was wrong. Did, I guess. did you tell the truth on the stand? Did you tell the truth? I told the truth. Okay. Amen. Yeah. All right. So here's what the Bible says. I'm going to read it to you from a different language or a different translation. You must not pass along false rumors. You must not cooperate with evil people by lying on the witness stand. That's Exodus 23, verse 1. So if you told the truth, then you didn't fall um, on the other side of Exodus 23, 1. Because that verse really made me feel good about what I did, because for a long time I've dealt with the word just snitch or rat, you know, and I felt bad about myself. Yes. But it was actually, I felt that was God's doing, how he brought me out of the gang to who I am today. Yeah, and you know, you want to tell the truth. It's it's very difficult and very hard, but we want to tell the truth. Yes, okay. All right. That is awesome that it's just, after 20 years, 
and going through the Bible and, you know, just, just studying all the words and, you know, just really being so in-depth with it, it opened my eyes to we well, did the right thing. Yeah, that's good. You did. You did the right thing. That is awesome. All right, bro. God bless you, man. God bless. Bye-bye. All right, 303-690-3000. You know, one of the things, if you're listening in, want to welcome you to Calvary Live, go ahead and give us a call. We have an open line, 303-690-3000, or text me, 720-336-0897. One of the things that's very encouraging about that call is that there's a sensitivity to the Scriptures. You know, you you want to stay sensitive to the Scriptures, and when you read them, to really pause and consider them. And that's what our brother did, to pause and consider them. All right, let's go over to Baltimore, Maryland. Chris, welcome to the program. Oh, we lost Chris. Sorry, brother, call us back. Troy in Texas, welcome to the program. Troy. Hey. There you are. You're on the air. Hey, so I just had a question for you guys. I've been studying uh, the Gospels here lately, and it's been talking. I've been uh, it's been talking about the resurrection a lot. Jesus brings it up a lot, and um, so I've just been. I had a question. I'll just uh, ask it real quick. Um, it's: Do we go to heaven right after we die, or do we wait until uh, the second coming of Christ? Because it's just like, you know, traditionally in church they say uh, that you, right after you die, you go to heaven, but it seems like uh, the Gospels are saying something different. So I just wanted to see what your, your opinion was on it. Yeah, the Bible says we are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And I believe that the last breath, I believe the Bible teaches the last breath you have on earth in the very millisecond, whatever time that is, you're immediately in the presence of the Lord, and your physical body um, is left behind until the resurrection, where you are reunited with your physical body. Some people debate whether you get your body right away, um, but what is put into the ground or um, after your death, your your mater- the part of you that is related to God, your soul and spirit, immediately go into the presence of God. Okay, that clears it up. Thank you. You're welcome, brother. Bye-bye. Bye. 303-690-3000. Here's a great question. Hey, Pastor Ed, how did you know God called you into full-time ministry and to plant a church? Well, I think that it was a process, first of all, of maturity and growth and being faithful with the little things. And it was also part of the process. Part of the process was that I needed to learn that I was already in the full-time ministry, that the full-time ministry didn't start uh, when I planted a church or moved to Colorado, but that the moment I was born again, I was in full-time ministry. And that's true for all of us. Every single believer listening to me right now, you are in full-time ministry. Some of you are delivering packages for UPS, Some of you work at the local supermarket. Some of you are raising the next generation. Some of you are engineers or attorneys. But wherever you are and whatever you do, we need to do that as unto the Lord. And so every single one of us 
are in full-time ministry. Now, I do understand the distinction of the question that you asked, that full-time ministry can also be associated with working at a church full-time, or in my case, moving to Colorado to uh, be used of God to plant a church. But, you know, moving to Colorado to plant a church, I was still working at the time. I worked, uh, we were taught to work a full-time job so that our needs could be met at home, we didn't have to be a burden to the church, and and then pastor, teach a Bible study, and minister to people, and that's what I did. And I fully expected to be working for seven years at least. I had a plan, <laughs> and God had me finish working in that place in nine months. But if it was up to me, I would have still been working for seven years uh, so we could save and put things away, but God had different plans. But how did God how did God plant in me a desire to plant a church through a lot of a lot of different ways but one of the ways was being faithful seeing the hand of God's blessing on my faithfulness teaching children's ministry teaching new believers seeing evidence of fruit in my life you know I would teach and people would say I can receive from you or I would teach and they would say I don't receive from you but I understand you you know and there was an evidence of a gift of teaching and then God gave me an opportunity to test pastoring and loving people. There was evidence of pastoring. And then God planted in my heart a desire, me particularly, to plant a Calvary Chapel outside of California, uh, because we were taught to not build on another man's foundation. And so I interpreted that as I wanted to go somewhere where there wasn't a Calvary Chapel in that city. Um, I wanted to be in a place where I could, you know, I, I, the Calvary Chapel I came from, was four or five, six thousand people, probably six at the highest, and maybe four or five when I left. And I would, I walked into that. It was already established. I didn't get to see it grow or the small little gathering Pastor Jeff had under a tree. And whenever he would share those testimonies, I'm like, man, Lord, if you ever want to do that again, I'd love to be a part of that. Not really understanding what, um, you know, what I was asking for or what I'd be a part of, but. I'm grateful that I did. So there was a there was a step of faith um, in in what I believe the gifts I had, and then God ratifying those gifts, and then showing me evidence that He was going to use me that way. And I never dreamed of being a part of what we're a part of right now. My goal uh, when I moved to Colorado was maybe maybe I would be able to serve a church of a hundred adults or so, which would should be enough. Uh, so I could take a small salary and provide for the needs of my family, um, but God had something else in store. And I was sharing with a group recently, I was like, you know, I believe that God's will was this church. Um, and obviously I can see it now in under my opportunity to serve here, but I believe if anybody would have showed up here, God was ready to work. And if I didn't come, he'd have sent somebody, because God was ready to work in Aurora and all throughout the metro area. His heart... Uh, is to reach the precious people of Aurora, Denver, Colorado, the United States, and around the world. And and I wish it could be more specific where I, you know, this is exactly, but it was a process for me, even some failures along the way, going to the wrong city and having God slam the door shut on us. I do not want you in this city. Can you imagine that? That was so hard. But the Lord uh, is great, gracious, and here we are being used to the Lord in these last days. So thankful. So we're coming up right up against the break, and I know you guys are waiting online, so we will um, we'll get to you after the break, but 
I want to give you the phone number so when you hear someone hang up with the full lines, you know that there's a line open. 303-690-3000. And I see, here's the order. It looks like we're going to be doing uh, going to Keith and then Sydney and then Stan. Uh, and so we'll get back to you because we're 30 seconds out from our break. 303-690-3000-720. Here's the texting number, 720-336-0897. You hear the music? Stick around. First half of Calvary Live is over, but we'll be back for the second half in just a few moments. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's program, second half of Calvary Live. So glad that you chose to stick around. Maybe you're listening to this on the podcast, so a shout out to everyone listening on the podcast, listening on the app. I want to welcome, I forgot, please forgive me, I want to welcome all the different stations that are tuned in. We want to welcome our friends on the Radio by Grace Network, if you're listening to that. If you're listening on Hope FM, welcome. Truth FM, welcome. Higher Rock Radio, welcome. And of course, the Grace FM Radio Networks. We are on uh, many stations around the country, and we're very, very grateful uh, that the Lord would allow us uh, the privilege of being a small part of the huge work that God's doing in your life. Um, And again, phone lines are full right now. However, when you hear, uh, when you you hear, um, uh, I just lost my train of thought. Sorry, let me go right to the phone lines. When you hear somebody drop off, that's what it is. Um, Dial, because you know that that means there's a phone line open. So since we have people waiting, uh, I want to go right directly to are we starting with keith is that who's next all right keith south carolina welcome to the program yes sir pastor ed thank you for taking my call you're welcome uh, you started the show off with adultery and i thought of a question okay. that i've been wondering about uh, matthew chapter 5 verse 32 in particular and Jesus says, but I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. So yeah. um, what sh- should Christians do? How should they behave? If a man is divorced, should he remarry? Is, is Would that be committing adultery? Yeah, I mean, obviously we see, we have to take this class, we have to take this question from its highest level. Uh, we want God's best and it, God's ideal. And we know that God's ideal is one man, one woman, one lifetime. We know that. God has established that. That's the biblical definition of marriage. There is no alternative definition of marriage. Uh, that is his ideal. And we also know that when it comes to marriage and divorce, that God has gone on record saying that God hates divorce, according to Matthew, or Malachi chapter 2, verse 16. And anyone that's ever been on the other side of a divorce, 
uh, both the parties involved or the children involved or any of the damage and carnage that the pain, the confusion, the frustration of that sin, uh, most people listening to me would say, I agree, and I understand why God hates divorce. But unfortunately, um, there is marital unfaithfulness that it can be, and I want to choose my words carefully here, it can be, but not necessarily must be, grounds for divorce. I mean, God's heart is forgiveness. God's heart is repentance and reconciliation. Uh, and we want to uh, make sure that we're following along God's ideal. Um, if adultery takes place, or even the case of abandonment, of a desertion of a marriage, especially by an unbeliever, uh, the Bible seems to indicate that the person is free to remarry. Um, and However, if a person's unrepentant, and they're the ones that commit adultery, they're not to remarry. They're to repent, um, and they're the ones that cause the pain. Um, and so the ones that committed adultery are not free to remarry, um, but those that are on the other side of that can, but they can also forgive. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I have a friend who is a Christian, and his wife wanted a divorce, and he agreed, so he's divorced. Yes. And he told me, he said, I cannot get remarried because that would be committing adultery. So my question is, how should Christians behave in that situation? Well, I think that as, you know, in light of the answer that was just shared, if it was a biblical, if it was a divorce that falls within the biblical teachings for a divorce, he can remarry. If he's the one that committed adultery and his wife no, divorced his, him, his wife did. yeah, so he is free to remarry. If it is, if they are unable to reconcile, there's no desire to reconcile. There's no moving forward. The, uh, as painful as it is, unfortunately, the way you describe that, he is free to remarry. Okay. Well, I still don't understand in light of Matthew five thirty two. Whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. So, so it, 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 is that saying that a Christian man cannot marry a divorced woman? Is that no, no? the The idea behind Matthew five. Let me get it with you real quick here. Let me pull it up here. So, let's start in verse twenty-seven. You have heard it said, <clears throat> "To those of old, you shall not commit adultery." But I say to you. Um, Whoever looks at a woman to luster has already committed adultery. That is not the passage. Divorce, verse 31. Furthermore, it's been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Now, the principle that Jesus is referring to was a very common practice among the Hebrew, among those following Judaism, uh, in a very uh, patriotic view of things, that a man could just um, decide he doesn't want to be married for any reason, even the worst of reasons, uh, even the anything, you know, that I don't like her, I don't want her in my life, and just write out a certificate of divorce. And Jesus is saying, that is not the teaching on divorce. I'm telling you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. Uh, and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. So the context of that final phrase is a divorce that doesn't that that doesn't follow sexual immorality. So the idea of, of play, abandoning a woman and leaving her out um, on on her own, you know, that puts her in a very vulnerable position, 
and you can't just leave for any reason. Um, that's that's the point that Jesus is making. Like there, you just can't abandon your wife, um, and you can't just walk away from her, putting her in a vulnerable position, putting her outside of of the um, you know the cultural norms of the day. And again, the whoever is a male, right? It's the man that just gave the certificate of divorce. He he can't just go get remarried again. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you've okay. got you've got the context of the whoever and leaving that woman that's there. You you're gonna you're gonna commit adultery. You can't do that. Like that's you're you are the one. The man. This is the this emphasis really in in chapter five is the emphasis of a man, and he's tying okay. whoever back to the one that just walks away from his wife. Okay. Okay. Right. I, I understand. <clears throat> yes. Okay. Perfect. I mean, it's a great question. There's a lot of debate on this. You know, there's there's a tremendous amount of debate. However, I, I do think that we should avoid divorce at all costs. We should walk in forgiveness. We should love one another. But, you know, all of us have fallen short of God's glory. Um, and I know that people that are on the other side of divorce, uh, that's not what they intended. I, I know I've never officiated a wedding where in the personal vows, the couple says, you know, I think it'll work six months and then I'll leave you for someone else. I mean, everybody wants to be, they start out wanting to be married, and it takes a lot of work and effort to pour into a marriage. But unfortunately, uh, we don't control the other person's behavior, or we don't control so much that we've been touched by sin that divorce does happen. And right. we, we just don't want it replicated. It's not good. Um, it's It severs and breaks and ruins in so many ways that we want to be very careful. But the friend, the way you described it, um, the way you described his situation, I believe he can remarry. Biblically. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you, sir. All right. God bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, I got a text from a brother. It says, Antenna to your church. First time you've been in church for 20 years. Welcome back. You're coming back this weekend, and you want to know if there's baptism services available. Yes. We just had a big baptism at the reservoir, but I know we got another one coming up. So all you need to do is pay attention. Uh, we'll announce it in our Calvary Connect email and let everybody know on services when their next baptism is. So it's coming up probably in November. It's my guess. 303-690-3000 is the number. All right, let's head over to Montgomery, Alabama. Sydney, welcome to the program. Hey, Sydney, are you with us? All right, I'm sorry you couldn't wait, Sydney, but I will pray for you, some family members involved with gangs, and to get out of it and turn to the Lord. You bet I'll pray with you. Father, I pray right now for Sydney's family, some family members that have been got, caught up um, with people that are not um, really helpful to be hanging around with. I pray for deliverance. I, I think of your word, evil company corrupts good habits. And so I pray you would deliver them from the evil company that they might not only come back to their family, stay out of trouble, but come to know you personally. We pray for their salvation. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Here's a text. I keep trying to call for two days, and no one ever picks up the phone. Well, I mean, Kevin's on the phone right now um, answering phone calls, so maybe the number might be inputted wrong. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. And one of the things you might be experiencing 
um, when you're calling and no one answers is that the program that day might be an encore. Um, I have been traveling, so the last couple, uh, last week, I did not host the show live because I was traveling, and that what they'll do is they'll play an encore presentation, uh, and then you'll call while it's on the air and nobody will answer because it's not a live, um, there's not a live program. So that's probably what you expect. But I'm looking at Kevin. He's on the phone. The phone lines have been ringing off the hook today. And when the phone lines are full, you should get a busy signal. But one of two things are happening. You might have the wrong number, but the right number is 303-690-3000. That's the number to be on the air. Or you might be calling when there's an encore presentation and there's nobody in the studio for that because nobody's hosting the show live. Um, and that is what be, might be happening. Here's a, another question. How do I attack guilt in my life? How does a person attack to guilt? Well, um, not being able to be on the phone with you, it's hard to clarify what kind of guilt you're talking about. Because first of all, some guilt is absolutely necessary, and you don't want to attack it at all. You want to respond to it. Guiltiness of known sin guiltiness that comes from the conviction of the Holy Spirit, guiltiness that leads to godly sorrow and repentance. Um, that That's guilt you don't want to mess with. You want to respond to it. You want to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God that he might lift you up. However, there is another kind of guilt that might be described as beating yourself up or condemnation. And I actually did a two-part Bible study. We are working on a book right now on this topic, how to deal with your past and the kind of guilt that comes and regret that comes, how to deal with guilt, regret, forgiveness, unforgiveness. We're actually working on a book right now. Hopefully it will be published. I don't know if we'll be able to get it done by Christmas, but maybe we might be able to get it done. We don't have a title for it yet, but it's how to deal with your past. And I would encourage you, email me and I'll send you the links to the Bible studies on how to deal with your past and and guilt in particular. And, you know, learning how to... I, I actually did a Bible study that I entitled... Let's see if I can find it for you. I entitled the message... I think I just said how to deal with your past. Let me see. I'm going to put it... How do I deal with my anger? I don't know. That's not it. Uh, but it's in that series. So let me click that. And I'm just clicking through our website right now. The series is called Free From Our Past. And and I did. I, I asked the question, what do I do with my past? And I deal with guilt and condemnation in that. There's two studies. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And then what do I do with it? And how do I live in the freedom? And how do I abide in Christ? And how do I deal with my anger? Um, all these studies are available. If you email me, I will send you the link. I encourage you to listen to them because they're a much better answer than a radio answer can do. 303-690-3000. I'm going to go back to the phone lines. We're going to come back to Colorado here. Stan in Longmont, welcome to the program. Hello, Pastor. Um, I have a prayer request. Uh, My friend uh, accidentally was taken off, and he flipped a Yui and then uh, was arguing with his girlfriend, I think, because She's a substance abuser. She wanted a beer, and he was trying to give her food. But when he took off the second time, he accidentally ran her over. Oh, man. Uh-huh. That's and horrible. So 
he, he said that uh, she was scraped up from ankle to back of her neck, and uh, he didn't even know, and he put her on the grass. And then when the paramedics came and all that, they let him know that she didn't make it. Oh, man. And so, yeah, he's going through hard times. And he lives in Westminster. Uh, they took his van. That's where he lives in. And uh, it's better I don't say his name, but yeah, I'd just like to get some uh, prayers for him. All right. Father, we just pray right now that you would uh, be with this brother who just um, is a part of a horrific tragedy, taking the life of this girl and not meaning to do it, but all the circumstances surrounding it. I pray for the family of this girl um, who now also is grieving because of this horrific tragedy. I pray, God, that you would bring comfort and that even in the worst of circumstances, you would draw people to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. We're going to keep going here. Uh, Where are we? Where are we? Do we have it? There we go. Come back. No, we. Where? I got to scroll all the way down. Let's go to Denver, Colorado. <laughs> Latasha, welcome to the program. Hi, brother, Pastor Ed. Hello. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, can you hear me well? I can My hear you fantastic. Yes. Perfect. Okay. So, I recently had a dear friend of mine ask me what you have termed before. I've heard you say a great question, and. Once you are able to stand behind the cross of Christ, then you no longer have to be afraid of questions, because there was a time where I couldn't understand what you meant by a great question. I'm like, sometimes questions intimidate me when I don't know the answer, but (laughs) as the Lord humbled me, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Okay. As the Lord humbled me and I'm behind his cross now, now I finally understand what you mean by a great question. And my dear friend asked a great great question, Okay. and I'm trying to answer it. Oh no! I want to say your phone's cutting out, Latasha. Can you hear me now? Pastor? Okay, yeah. You go ahead and ask it quick before we lose you again. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Question for my dear friend. It, it, this is what it says. I'm just going to read the whole thing. Okay. It says, "Well, it." Oh man. Can you hear me now, brother? You know, I'm sorry, Latasha. You'll have to call back or be in a place because your cell phone keeps dropping out. But Kevin did get uh, the question I think you're trying to ask, and that is, are some sins greater than others? I think that's what she's trying to ask. No? Is it? Let me see. Let me make sure I read it right. Um, If no sin is greater than any other sin, why are some punishments greater than others? Ah, okay. Uh, So if no sin... Well, maybe that's Natasha coming back. Let's see if it's... uh, If maybe... She's back. That is her. Okay, let's go back. Okay. Okay, Latasha, don't move okay. so that we have your cell phone. Go ahead and read your question. I am so not moving. Okay, it good. Says, in the Bible, it says no sin is greater than any other sin. Sin is sin. So why do you think he allows some punishment to be harder than others or to let a person go through more than others? Yeah, that's... That's a great question. There's kind of, she's kind of, your friend is kind of mixing up a few questions. So let's see if we can break them down. Um, there is no greater, um, there, there, sin in one sense is equal across the board, um, whether it be, a, you know, a little white lie or a huge lie, lying is lying. However, there are, 
there are sins that are judged greater or that have a greater consequence. Remember, Jesus himself talked about uh, it would be better if someone um, had a millstone around their neck um, and thrown into the sea than to trouble one of these little ones or to stumble one of these little ones. So there are definitely greater consequences for sin, um, for different sins. And that makes sense, right? Because like we could all have paper money in our pocket, right? We can all have pieces of paper that have green ink on them. um, And we could say all of those pieces of paper are money. But on some of them, there's a one, some of them, there's a five, some of them, there's a 10. So there is distinction, even though we have money in our pocket, we have to take out each piece of paper and see what it is exactly. For example, you know, when Jesus taught, I just read this earlier on an earlier call, um, adultery is typically defined as sexual sin outside of marriage, um, physically uh, involved sexually with someone that's not your husband, not your wife. But Jesus said that sexual uh, adultery can also be a lusting after someone that has no physical contact. And he says that's adultery too. So knowing that both of those sins are adultery, do you think one of those sins has a greater consequence than the other? Latasha, no. are you still with me? Oh, yes. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I do. I think it. I think that although they hit the same way in the offended party, there there is a there is a greater um, relationship breaking through the physical act than there is just through the lusting with the eyes. Even though Jesus says they're equal, and the greatest judgment for sin is hell. Everyone is going to spend eternity apart from God, no matter what sin they've cre- they've they've committed. But the greatest of all sin is the rejection of Jesus Christ. That's known as the unpardonable or the unforgivable sin. Okay, you know, I, I totally get what you're saying now. Like, physical is a greater consequence because people can see you— like, if you commit adultery, like the woman that was about to be stoned, they could physically see that she was committing adultery, right? So they could give her a physical consequence— but where somebody is lusting in yeah. their mind, God's going to see it the same, but no one else may know that you're lusting after this individual. Correct. and But God does, right? So he's going to hold you accountable for that sin, uh, sin in the heart, sin in the mind. And then, of course, there's a physical part to that sin if someone chooses to act on it. And the reality is, is sin is sin. It all nailed Jesus to the cross. However, there are distinctions between sin. Um, there are definitely things that Jesus warns. Um, there are definitely areas, um, but you know, when we start talking about greater or are more important, kind of like the Roman Catholic Church does, um, we're just leaving the scriptures. You know, they're, they're, we're leaving, um, we're leaving away from the reality that we should just deal with. Um, we should deal with the reality of staying away from sin completely. So, if I had a chance to talk to your friend. I think there's more to the question than what you describe. I think there's more nuance to it that a text or a message, you know, on Facebook or anything doesn't really convey what do they really mean. Um, you know, and I guess part of what you can do is, is the friend that asks you this question, are they a believer? And that's, you know, what's funny? Well, not funny. What's confirmation? The Lord, my next thing was going to be, 
how do you know that you truly receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because it sounds it sounds like it's the underlying question of knowing whether you are saved or not. So that yeah. but that that's literally where the Lord is leading me in the in the. It's like He has me going in ordered steps with this yeah. individual and, that, and this question. Uh, that is the next part of that. But with this question, something the Lord has showed me, and I want to bounce this off of you. Uh, as a fellow follower of Christ, what he showed me, what he showed me something through some movies I watched. Now, let me say the Lord recently has been speaking to me through movies, but you cannot say you know the voice of the Lord if you do not know his word. That is absolutely where I've begun and where before you get a rhema word, right, you got to know his voice and you can't know his voice if you don't know his word. So what's your Uh, question? So my question is, when I watched the movies, one thing he showed me was, it's just like the way a parent parents their children. Every child is different, right? So when, when a child is being disciplined, the parent knows exactly what that individual child needs to be corrected and turned around in the right direction. At least we're going to say that we hope theory, they do. not every parent yeah. parents that way, right? Um, but w- one thing the Lord showed me is each a parent knows exactly what kind of discipline a child needs. And something else he showed me was like the different... I was asking him, like, why does the consequence have to be so harsh to turn somebody around? And then he gave me the story of David and how David was his consequence when he slept with Bathsheba and how the baby had to go to be with Jesus because he wasn't supposed to be doing that in the first place. Then he gave me Jonah in the well and how Jonah, well, Jonah in the big fish. Sure. Um, But with that, like how he had to be turned around, the correction that he needed, it's like he knows what every child needs when they're sinning to be corrected and turned back in the right direction. Well, I would even consider this, you know, especially when you're talking to a friend or you're starting to 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 share this. I think one of the angles is one that you just described, that God knows what kind of discipline we need. He knows what we need more than we do. And there is discipline and and training and even consequences from our sin. But the other way to look at this is how gracious God is to us that he doesn't give us what we deserve. He doesn't give us... Many times he's even merciful to us where he doesn't give us the full weight of the situation. And, you know, a lot of times they'll even be consistent with what your friend was asking. That's why it's important that we talk to them and listen to them and go back and forth because, like, sometimes the consequences of being experienced aren't from God at all. Um, you know, if you if you stick your hand on a on a stove, on a hot stove and your hand burns, God didn't do that. You did it. Um, God doesn't blame for the the consequences that come from our bad behavior. As a matter of fact, he even gives us the wisdom and the knowledge and the brains to avoid that those things. And, and that's why it's super important just to walk down the path and see exactly what they're thinking, you know, what's their angle, so that the Holy Spirit can give us wisdom on helping them understand the character and the nature of God um, um, over and above just a rote question, like, you know, as they're processing things, are they trying to justify sin? Are they mad at God? Are they personally hurt? And that we can speak to the pain that's in their life and give some kind of purpose for it in the faithfulness of God. So, you know, that's the, the question that you ask is is a little bit challenging for the radio only because we don't have the full orb of what the person really is wanting to know. Okay. Okay. I think this is really more of a a leading question from the Lord, because even the, the follow-up part is more so like, do you think a person can really change? So I think oh, yeah. they're battling with salvation versus sin. It's like, am I truly saved? And, and then, that's, then that's where we got to go, because that's where it starts. You know, 
you can't do anything without the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. You could think you could do it yourself in a verse a day to keep the devil away and trying to stay saved, but there is no way to truly walk in salvation without the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, which comes from receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior, and that's where you start. Yeah, that's where it all starts. That's where you, you're you not even able to say Jesus is Lord unless you're born again. So that's where full understanding comes when the scales are removed and the Lord gives you understanding from his perspective as he dwells in you uh, through the Holy Spirit. You're right. Thanks for calling, Natasha. So much, Brother Pastor. All right, bye-bye. All right, well, we're coming on to the end of the show. Um, I mean, we're right up against the end, so thanks for joining me today. It's good to be back with you. A little bit tired today, so I hope... Um, didn't come across so much, but, you know, I've jumbled up on my words a couple of times, but, you know, the Lord's good. He gets us through it. I'll be at service tonight, uh, teaching the Word of God and worshiping together, praying together. So good to be back. Um, good to be with the saints. Good to be with the team here today, talking ministry and life, just growing together. And um, uh, come on out. Go to our website, calvaryco.church. Shout out to everyone around the country. Go to church wherever you go. Uh, you can always join us online, calvaryco.church, or download our free app, and we'd love to have you be a part of all that God is doing um, you know, here at Calvary, just to encourage you so that you're stronger uh, where you are, and I know that great things await us, and I look forward to teaching Genesis chapter 14, if you want to read ahead. We go through the Bible verse by verse, a little bit faster on our midweek study, uh, not too fast, but a little bit faster. Uh, back in the book of Acts this weekend, chapter 7, and looking forward to looking at what Stephen shares as he takes opportunity for the gospel. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.